The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 274. Hello and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. As I said in the beginning, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week for The Pre-Med Years. If this is your first time joining me here, thank you for taking the time to find this podcast and turn it on and do everything that you do while you're doing it, whether you're exercising or doing laundry or dishes or whatever you're doing. Thank you for taking the time. If this is your 274th episode that you've listened to, I'm sorry that you've listened to me for so long, but I appreciate you, all of you. So today I want to talk about common mistakes that students make with their extracurriculars, both in the grand scheme of things and also in the application. And I want to talk about this because it's such a common issue. And recently I was at the UCF Med School Admissions Symposium and talked a lot about extracurriculars with the Dean of Admissions there and with several deans. And it, it seems to be a recurring issue. Talking to students, it got brought up in the individual sessions with schools about extracurriculars. And so I was looking through this episode list and I I don't think I've ever talked specifically about extracurriculars. And so I figured why not do it right now? And so that's what we will do today. And I'm more interested in extracurriculars right now. As you may be aware, last year in 2017, I released my first book, published my first book, the pre-med playbook guide to the medical school interview. Now, a lot of students refer to it as the pre-med playbook. The pre-med playbook is not the book name. It's the series name. So the first book is guide to the medical school interview. The second book will be guide to the medical school personal statement. The third book will be, which will actually come out before the second book, is guide to the MCAT that I'm doing with Next Step Test Prep. And then the fourth book, which I just started writing for 2018, actually 2019 rather, uh, hopefully early 2019, will be 
the pre-med playbook, Guide to the Medical School Application. And so this book, this next book, the application book, will cover A to Z applications. It'll have extracurricular stuff. We'll talk about the timeline for applications. We'll talk about the demographic information and the disadvantaged student essay and transcripts and extracurriculars. I think I mentioned that one already. And we'll talk a little bit about personal statements and interviews in there as well, but I also have the individual books for that. And so as I've been working on the outline for that book, the application book, extracurriculars are even more kind of at the forefront of my mind because they are, an, they are a very important part of the application. Now, a lot of students will think they may be more important than the personal statement because if you look at the total character count, right, so for AMCAS, you have 15 slots, 15 different places to put extracurriculars. You get 700 characters for each of those 15 slots. So that's 10,000 characters, right? And the personal statement is only 5,300. So you have 10,500 characters just for the, the descriptions, And then you have the opportunity to mark three of those 15 as a most meaningful experience. And then you get three extra essays, separate essays from those 700, which are 1,325 characters each. And so now you're pushing 14,000, almost 500 characters just for the, the extracurriculars, right? And so that's a huge character count. And so students are like, well, maybe, maybe that's more important than my personal statement. It's almost, it's oh, two and a half times the personal statement, but it's not. The personal statement is still more important. But what the extracurriculars allow you to do is tell your story even more. Whereas the personal statement is all about why do you want to be a doctor? The extracurriculars is all about this is who I am. This is what I've done. And this is how it's impacted me. And that last part is what students leave out. They leave out that impact. So this is the first common mistake that students make with extracurriculars, specifically on the application. When you are writing the descriptions for your application, for your extracurriculars, You can't just write a job description. If you were a scribe, you can't say, I was a scribe at so-and-so hospital. I followed the physician, the PA, the NP, whatever, around, and I charted the encounter, the patient encounter, to allow the, the physician to interact with the patient and not be burdened with the electronic medical records, right? Everybody knows what a scribe does. Your job with the extracurricular description is not to describe your job. Your job with the extracurricular description is to talk about how you impacted the position, or how the position impacted you. And if you can, 
the best way to do that is through a story. If you have the ability to talk about a patient encounter, to talk about observing a physician doing something that impacted you, describe that story. Do not just give a job description. That is not what the extracurricular descriptions are for. There's some, there are some exceptions to this. When you are writing about shadowing, right? Shadowing is a very passive experience. When you're writing about shadowing, you can cram them all together. If you've shadowed 20 different physicians, obviously you only have 15 spots. You're not going to take them all up with shadowing opportunities. And so you take those 20 shadowing experiences and you put them in one experience. If there was one shadowing opportunity or experience that you had that was head and shoulders above everything else and was amazing and you want to talk about that one separately, go ahead. Be my guest. Put it separately. But for the most part, you can combine everything into one extracurricular, combine all the hours, enter in all of the dates, and just put one person as the contact information. And then you can either list the people or talk generically about shadowing and, and why you love it, etc. You don't have to get super fancy with awards and recognitions either. That stuff's pretty boring. Just list that all out. All your dean's lists and other things, if you want to put that in there, that's fine. But everything else, specifically clinically related, if you can talk about a, a story, a patient, whatever, that impacted you, that made you want this, tell that story. Now, if you're talking about something non-clinical, if you're a non-traditional student, you're coming from the business world, if you were a treasurer, if you were the president of a fraternity or sorority, talk impact as much as possible. How do you do that? You do that by talking numbers. If you were the president of a, a sorority, how many members did you have? How much money did you manage? What was the budget of the sorority or fraternity? When you're recruiting members, how many members did you recruit? When you're raising money and fundraising and, and supporting the community, how many lives were impacted by that? Talk numbers. If you're coming from the business world, it, it might be easier for you because that's kind of how you talk anyway. And so put that in your extracurricular descriptions. All right, so those, those are some common mistakes writing extracurricular descriptions. You just give job descriptions. It's not enough. Another common mistake, right? So the first one, not written well enough. Second common mistake is filling your extracurricular list with fluff. Now, fluff can be a couple different things. Fluff could be you just have random things in your life that you're like, oh, crap, I need, I need to fill these up. I need 15 slots. How do I do that? Oh, well, there was that one time that I ran the lemonade stand and uh, made $5 when I was... When I was uh, in eighth grade, I'm going to put that in there, right? So number one, it was a little too old. 
You, you shouldn't put anything in your extracurricular list. The, the general rule of thumb, although you probably won't find this in the instruction manuals, the general rule of thumb is anything after high school. Anything after high school. If you've done some sort of shadowing or clinical experience that you started in high school, but you've continued through college, great, go ahead and put that. But anything after high school for, for the most part is the general rule of thumb. And so if you're throwing in random activities where it's just a couple hours here and there, that's fluff. It's not impactful. It's not memorable. It's probably not something you want to talk about. It's just something you're putting in there because you think you need to fill up the space. You don't need to. Another version of fluff is you don't have clinical experience or you don't have shadowing. And so in May, right, you submit your applications in June. In May, you go, oh, shoot. I need, some, I need some clinical experience. Dr. Grace said, I need this. It's important. And you go and you get five hours and you throw that in your application. Now you have five hours of shadowing or clinical experience. Right? That is fluff. That is fluff. So you can't just randomly throw stuff in there at the last minute. You can't just throw silly little things in there just to fill in the spots. You don't need to fill in all 15 spots. It's not that important. All right, so moving on, another common mistake. And this is pre-application stuff. Is not enough clinical experience. So I did an interview back in episode 171, which is a long time ago. This is 274. In episode 171, I talked to the former dean of admissions at UC Irvine, and she talked about why students weren't accepted. And one of the number one reasons, or the number one reason in her eyes, is not enough clinical experience. You need to put yourself around patients. You need to prove to yourself that this is what you like. Don't think of this as a checklist item. Think of this as an opportunity to prove to yourself that this is what you want to do. If you like being around your Grandma Gertrude, as I've been saying lately, if you like being around your Grandma Gertrude and taking care of Grandma Gertrude when she's sick, when she's ill, when she's dying, you might not like being around somebody else's Grandma Gertrude. Taking care of your own family members is very different than taking care of somebody else's sick family members. And so that clinical experience will help you figure it out. It will help prove to yourself that this is what you want. It will help prove to the admissions committee that you've done your homework, that you've done the, the things that you need to do to prove that this is what you want. The worst thing that can happen is you go through this process and you realize you don't like taking care of sick people. That would be the worst thing. And so you need to do it. Go get that clinical experience. All right, so that's another very common mistake. I think that's number three that we're on. The fourth common mistake that I've seen a ton I hear it all the time when I start working with new students. I go through a list. 
All right, let's talk about grades. Let's talk about research. Let's talk about clinical experience. When's the last time you had clinical experience? Oh, a year ago. What do you mean a year ago? What about right now? What are you doing? Oh, um, I, I, I had to stop because I needed to, to prepare for my MCAT. Or I need to focus on studying. Great, those are important too. But you need to get involved now. You need to show consistency with your clinical experience. Too many students think it's a checklist. And this is what gets most people in trouble. They think of this process as a checklist process. And they say, all right, as a freshman, I had 100 hours of shadowing. And I've heard that's enough. So I'm good. And then they go through their sophomore year, their junior year. They apply where they planning on taking a gap year and so they go through their senior year and then they apply and they have their 100 hours of shadowing which looks good right 100 hours that's great but the last time they did it was two or three years ago and that is bad you need consistency in your research in your shadowing research less so important but in shadowing and clinical experience and any sort of volunteering if you're doing that, which you probably should be doing. Consistency is important. What does consistency help with? Consistency helps the admissions committee for the clinically related things. Consistency helps the admissions committee see that you are dedicated to this. You are applying to medical school. You are telling the admissions committee, I want to be a doctor. If your actions don't support your words, you're going to be in trouble. If you apply without any sort of clinical experience, any sort of shadowing, for years, the question is going to come up, if you are so interested in being a physician, why haven't you put yourself around patients? Why haven't you put yourself around doctors? That is going to be the question. You need to back up what you're saying with your actions and have consistency. But then you say, well, Dr. Red, I need to study. I need to, to study for the MCAT. I need to study for my classes and do well on those. Yes, yes, you do. But you also need to show consistency with everything else. And that doesn't mean 20 hours a week. could mean five hours every couple weeks. Five hours a month. Show consistency. When you're filling out your, your date ranges when you put in your extracurriculars, being able to put in date ranges that are recent and consistent will help you in a huge way when it comes to applying to medical school. And then the last mistake that I've seen, well, I've seen a bunch, but the last one we'll talk about here on this episode is, and and I've talked about this a bunch before, is a common mistake in general among pre-meds. One of the most common, specifically for freshmen just starting out, is doing too much too soon. Now, kind of might seem counter to what I just mentioned, that you need consistency 
to say that you're doing too much. But let's, let's look at beginning pre-meds. When you're starting off college, you need to learn how to be a pre-med. You need to learn how to study. You need to learn how to study in the way that works for you in a college environment. You no longer have a high school teacher giving you homework assignments, keeping you on course to do well on all of the tests. You don't have that hand-holding anymore. When you get to college, you're given a syllabus, you're given test dates, you, you might be given some mandatory assignments, but other than that, you show up, you take your tests, and you better be prepared. And as you start off on this journey, especially if you think you want to be a pre-med or you know you want to be a pre-med and if you go and read certain websites and you think, oh, I need to do it all and I need to do it now, you'll start with your pre-med clubs and a fraternity or sorority and you'll start volunteering and trying to get shadowing, trying to get clinical experience. You'll look, uh, you'll take an EMT course, you'll start scribing. And sooner or later, something breaks. And it's usually grades that break. And usually, you don't realize it until it's too late. And now, you have all of these great extracurriculars and bad grades. And where a lot of students go from there is they go, oh, I guess I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. When in fact, you really just spread yourself too thin. And hopefully you're not given advice from a pre-med advisor that, who says you, you can no longer be a pre-med, your grades aren't good enough. One semester, one year of bad grades isn't going to hurt you. But obviously you don't want to do that if you don't have to. And so the last mistake here that we'll talk about is just taking on too much too soon and losing your priority of doing well in your classes. And that's not to say, right, going back to consistency, it's not to say you stop doing everything because you need to be consistent. But you don't have to start things as a freshman. You can wait a little bit. You've got plenty of time. It might not seem like it, but trust me, on this, on this side of, of the fence that I'm on now, you have plenty of time. So as you're starting out, you don't need to do anything right away. But once you start, you need to be consistent. And that consistency is going to help you with your grades. It's going to help you with your MCAT score. Because as you start to get frustrated that you're missing all of the nights out on the town because you're studying for the MCAT, you go into shadow the next morning, you go into volunteered hospice the next morning, you realize why you're doing this. And it helps keep you grounded as you're going through this process. So be consistent as you are getting later in your years as a college student. But don't take on too much at the beginning. All right. So that is what I have for you with extracurriculars. Very common mistakes that students are making with their extracurriculars, both in general and specifically on the applications. And so I mentioned you get your 15 spots in AMCAS, you get those spots in ACOMIS, 
And then TMDSAS gives you unlimited spots, I think. And then for AMCAST, you get to mark those three most meaningful as well. And then there's a big difference with the character counts. With AMCAST, you get 700. With ACOMIS, you get 600. And with TMDSAS, you get 300. So 300 is very hard to do that storytelling that I talked about at the beginning. And they, they kind of force your hand a little bit to get into a little bit more descriptive um, talk. But you do the best you can. You put your best application forward. One extra tip here, a lot of students ask about hobbies. Can I put hobbies in my extracurriculars? Yes. Yes, you can. It differentiates you. It shows the admissions committee who you are. So you can do that. If you have room for it, go for it. All right. We'll talk more about extracurriculars at another time, like how to pick ones that you want to put in there, etc. There are so many more topics that we could talk about with extracurriculars. But we will stop here with common mistakes. I hope this was helpful for you. Remember, if you're going through the interview process, the application process, go check out my book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Interview. If you are listening to this before August of 2018, which is when my personal statement book comes out, you can go to um, personalstatementbook.com and sign up to be notified when that comes out. If it's after August of 2018, go to personalstatementbook.com and that'll take you to where you can learn more about it and go ahead and buy it. And then for 2019, I'll have my application book out. Don't have a website for that yet, but I will get one soon. I hope you have a great week. I want you to do me one favor, actually two favors. I want you to shoot me an email if you would be willing to carry a small little Bluetooth device with you around campus. That Bluetooth device doesn't do anything sketchy. It's not a hacking tool. What it does is it will send to Android phones, to certain Android phones, it'll send a little message that says, hey, are you pre-med? Do you want to listen to the pre-med ears? Or it'll say, hey, are you pre-med? Are you taking the MCAT? You want to listen to the MCAT podcast? So I can, I can program them for little messages. It's built into the Android operating system. It's supposed to be used more for businesses, but um, or like a, a brick-and-mortar business. Like if you walk by Starbucks, Starbucks can send you a little message that says, hey, want, uh, want a latte? Um, but I've, I, I think this would be a great way to spread the awareness of this podcast. So shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net um, with a subject line, uh, Bluetooth or something, and uh, let me know that you're interested. And I will mail you one and you just throw it in your backpack and the battery lasts for a year or two. And uh, that would help me out in a great way. And the other option is you just go and you tell people about it. Let people know about the podcast. Friends, classmates, advisors, let them know. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.